Well, let's go back in time to December 1972. December 30th, to be precise. 1972. Where were you and what were you doing? Now, you were already out of school. Already out of school. Betty and I were going over to the campus that morning. It was Christmas holidays between Christmas and New Year's, a day or two from New Year's Eve. So we were driving over to Belmont. I can't remember why coming up past on Belmont Boulevard and the Athlete's House and, and the School of Music and just happened to glance over to the right and I saw fog all around Blanton Hall. I thought, it's cold, not freezing here, no snow, no nothing like that. But it's this this is odd. So I told Betty, I said, let me just go in and see. So I walked up to the corner of, the, of Blanton Hall, looked in the first classroom on the basement level, you know, and there were flames in the basement. Well, this is a three- or four-story building. I'm thinking, this building is on fire, and no, nobody was there. There was no one. None, ran in a building that happened to be open, called the fire department, and literally almost heard the doors of the fire uh, department come open, the fire station about uh, two or three blocks away from Belmont. The, the siren started, and the fire went for three days. They had, true, they had a battalion on the scene for three days trying to extinguish that fire. Let's give them a little background on Blanton and where it sits on the campus. Of course, you got to go back to the early days of the of the campus, mm-hmm. and you could see from the mansion all the way down to the tower. The the Blanton building was built in, in the twenties or thirties. Twenties or thirties, very similar quadrangle style in in vogue that right. era. And it was an administration and classroom building. It was the principal building of academics and administration of the, of the college, and virtually all of the classes were held there. What did you do next? Well, after I called the fire department, I called Dr. Gabbard, and I said, we've got a problem over here. I said, it looks like Blanton Hall is on fire. And, um, of course, he raced over there as quickly as he could where he and I and other members of the family, you and your dad, stood and watched that building burn until the ceiling fell in and went all the way from, in some parts, from the ceiling to the basement. <clears throat> and so it was a catastrophic fire. It destroyed, um, and how on earth they had the peace of mind and presence of mind to know what to do to regroup. But by the start of the new class year, they had spaces for every class uh, to meet. Now, they may have used Belmont Heights Baptist Church, and thanks to our Baptist churches who helped found us to begin with in 1951 as a Baptist college, and the work of the, of the local Baptists and others here, here in Yon, who gave to help rebuild that building, the Wheeler family, Wheeler Hall, and then uh, Hitch, the Hitch Science Building. So it was a massive fire. It was so big, they had a battalion, they call it, and the, the firemen would come to the scene for shift changes rather than go to the fire stations where they, they worked out of. What hit me the most was when Dr. Fred Schatz came out, who was the academic dean of Belmont University, and he told me about not one but several professors who had unfinished or almost finished works for their master's or for their doctorate, um, a lot of them had all of their books, their entire library. Mm-hmm. Everything academic that they had in their life was going up in smoke. Mm-hmm. And to see some of those professors standing there, standing there, tears in their eyes, it just it took me to a very humbling experience mm-hmm. of what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Two questions. What were your impressions? How did it hit you personally? And then how did you feel that it hit your wife and your father-in-law. Well, um, when you realize that the um, 
the, the main building where all of the classes were being held w- was gone and not not functioning. How do you regroup? I, I can't imagine what school did. I can't imagine what uh, Dr. Gambart did. But um, uh, as uh, the uh, day went along and he stood there and watched this thing burn, um, uh, he had and he called the trustees together immediately. Was your dad chairman of the trustees? Then? Yes, he was. Dr. Gabhart and my dad got together, and they were both concerned about many things. The first thing we were concerned about was whether or not there was enough insurance. And Dr. Gabhart, Gabhart was pretty well convinced there was not mm-hmm. enough insurance. That would have been a luxury. Oh, it would have been. For us, it, it, to it, be insured properly. Oh, Oh, yeah. And then the second question was, in the absence of enough money for insurance, how are we going to move forward? Because at that time, and for many colleges and universities across the country, and some still today, being, operate, being able to operate in the black on a regular basis of just making the income mm-hmm. and expenses work very difficult. was very difficult. Especially church-related schools, oh, which we were yes. uh, operating on funds that were given through the local churches and administered through the Tennessee Baptist Convention, which we were fortunate to have that. But it still took a lot more money than that. Oh, yeah. Fundraising was a major part of the board's job and the president's job, of course. Coupled with the fact that a school that was very dependent upon tuition. Mm, tuition-driven school. And we'd gone from 1000 to in the range of 700, that didn't make things any better. Huge third of the student body. We had, this was the second semester of the year coming up. Mm-hmm. We were convinced that we were going to lose some students mm-hmm. because we no longer had our main classroom. So there was nothing good about the fire. There mm-hmm. was nothing positive. Redeeming. Nothing redeeming. Nothing but a problem as far mm-hmm. as my dad was concerned. Tell me what Dr. Gabhart told you as far as some of the sacrifices he made personally as well as some of the staff and faculty during that time. Well, um, during during the, the, the burning of the building, uh, he had a stoicism about him that would be rare. I think perhaps that from another generation that we've heard about. Um, and at a time of great tragedy, he, he was never fretful. He didn't uh, run around wringing his hands, you know, imploring God, why would you make this happen to, uh, why'd you let this happen to the school and that type of thing. And he was very calm, very, you know, organized and methodical, along with when he's got a Henry Harl and some of the other trustees he had, they were excellent business people. And they went to work, rolled up their sleeves. First of all, where did we start classes? They dealt with that issue. Somehow they got that going. Where do we get the resources to build these buildings? I read something the other day. He was trying to find $2 million. Well, you can, I mean, you, people with $2 million today, I mean, that, but back then it was, what, 10, what, 10 million, $15 million yeah. to one uh, to build the, the science area back, the other to build the humanities area back. And so he was very calm during all of that. There was no sense of this is the end of things. It's ha- how do we move forward from here? The school could have ended at that point, you know, you you know how financially tenuous it was when you lose a third of your revenue. So it faced uh, the possibility of, of closing and being the newest of the three Baptist colleges. It probably would be, you know, one that does not have a big alumni base. So it was a, it was a very, very difficult time. But um, the faculty members, not only during that era, but before, 
when, time, when things were tight financially, uh, they would uh, voluntarily withhold their checks for a week or two. And um, then you had instances of people giving back and coming and making contributions. And uh, I know the night of the fire, uh, we had planned to go to the uh, Vanderbilt basketball game. So we were gathering as a family at the uh, Gamparts residence. And um, uh, I slipped away because obviously we were going to go to the Vanderbilt basketball game at that point. And he came home just briefly for dinner. And um, I went over and sold the tickets uh, to someone and made that the first contribution at dinner. And, of course, that was about the only humor that we had that night. But uh, even amongst the family at private time, there was none of this, oh, it's over, we're through. You never heard that. 